Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. My brothers and sisters, assalamu alaikum jami'an. Welcome to all of you here to the uh, Nothing But Facts live stream. Today, now we started late. Why did we start late? Do I like to start late? No, I don't like starting late. But I started late because there is a somebody very close in our community who is going through basically near death. And it's, yeah, and you don't like to say this, but it's like going to be almost like any minute now. And that's what we've been doing, tending at the hospital. You know, tend, not tending, but visiting, constantly visiting, visiting, keeping tabs overnight, preparing, all this stuff. Hey, Ryan, when you get a minute, I think I actually turned this thing off. What, the AC? Yeah, I think I... I Yesterday it was turned off, but it's on now. Okay. I, I turned it on when I came in. It's on now? Because I was playing with the buttons, and just double check when you get a minute. I feel it back there. It's coming, it's coming out cold. Yeah, I guess it'll start coming soon. Yeah. If it doesn't, I'll, uh, I'll just let you know. Because I, I touched the temp- temperature, but I think I hit the on-off button by accident. Mm. I don't know. Messes, always messes stuff up when I play with it. So that's what we've been doing, and that's why we're late. So uh, I hate being late to this. But we're in a situation that is a unique situation that, to me, is very special. Some people think it's a crazy idea to talk like this, but I, I don't I really think that the death of a righteous person is a blessed season. It's like a mini season and a mini little window to the unseen. And people look at the body of the person. The body is just a casing. This is not even how they look, for real. It's not how the ruh looks. Their ruh has its own form and it will be given a whole new body. And age is nothing either for us. Because arwah, they don't age. Okay, so let's see how we're doing on Instagram. All right, yeah, it's coming out. Open up here. There's no news today, to be honest with you. There's nothing special to talk about in the news. So I'm not even going to do news today. What we're going to do today is we're going to read from the opening of hearts. Wonderful book that you can get from Lulu Press. And this book, we're going to look at the chapter on a good ending. What is the sign that a Muslim has a good ending? Like, like what are the signs of that? Now, Allah Ta'ala does never, never gives us a goal to seek, to reach, and to aim for without showing us the signs of, the, of progression. And without showing us the sign that someone's made it. Okay? Now, there's only... There's a danger... And it's for a prohibition of ever imagining that you made it. Okay? But there is permissibility, and it is rationally, and by Sharia, it is possible. Okay? Reed, I'm going to look up your, uh, your question right now. And that's, by the way, Reed, that is a very good way of getting our attention. Did you see how she put the questions here? One word per thing. And I'm looking, what is going on here? So, very. that's a smart... I guess she is social media type. Okay. Uh, she, she knew how to get our attention. Now I'm going to look it up. Uh, so, Reed, can you put a link, actually? Give me the link. That would make my life a lot easier. If you give me the link. 
and just put it in the in the in the in the thingy. But Allah Ta'ala does not give a person a goal. And it is possible to reach the goal and know that you reach the goal while you're still alive. But it's dangerous territory. Sahaba knew they entered Jannah. But did they sit there thinking about it and allowing themselves to say, well, I made it, khalas. I don't know, I can just chill now. If they truly made it, they never think like that. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq had more taqwa and fear of the consequences of sins than anybody else. It's not, don't think, oh, it's Allah's going to punish him. No, it's not about that. It's about sins have consequences attached to them. Whether or not you're a wali or you're a sinner, no matter how much worship and how intimate you've been with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it doesn't matter. The sin has a consequence attached to it forever. Okay? No matter how successfully you've avoided getting burned in your entire life, touching a flame will still burn your hand. So don't ever think about, oh, Allah's not going to punish him. Allah's not going to punish me. It's not about Allah going around and punishing. It's about the sins being attached to punishments. So don't think about it. Because I remember one time someone said, can you imagine Allah punishing someone? I can't imagine it. It's not about that. There's a cause and effect. There's a spiritual cause and effect. Certain deeds, they're attached to certain sins, uh, certain punishments. It's a law. In the same way, well, can you imagine, you know, someone uh, so-and-so, you know, not walking? You can't, can you imagine someone like LeBron James not knowing how to play basketball? Yes, I can imagine if he falls out of a plane, right? If the certain laws and causes and effects happen, then it could happen, yes. And it's not personal. It may, may be that Allah Ta'ala wills to forgive somebody and love somebody. But if you touch those sins, you will face the punishment, the penalty, the pain attached to that sin. That's why Imam An-Nawi said, a person can know he is wali min awliya Allah, but that will only increase him in taqwa. Because he understands fully that no matter who you are, sins come with baggage, and that baggage is pain and torment and darkness in the heart, and all sorts of other problems. All right? Don't imagine that it's a personal thing. But Allah is going around chasing and, and, and punishing people. It's the sin itself is attached to that. Why? So you could stay away from it. Why would Allah attach torment to certain deeds? So you can stay away from it for your own betterment. So medicine, they always make it taste bad. So kids don't eat it, don't drink it. Bottles, the medicine bottles, don't look nice. They're not supposed to look nice. Alcohol, Allah Ta'ala made it, is the worst thing for your body. All right? It is the worst thing for your body. They drink it and they're in pain. And I'm thinking to myself, why would you do this to yourself? Peer pressure. Iblis. Whatever. So Allah has attached bad effects to bad things. Immediately. Because if, you, if that bad effect wasn't there and you prog- progress into something long term, then you, you're totally lost. So there's an immediate symptom to many, 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 many sins to avoid you going deeper into that sin and then making that thing a complete 
uh, it becomes like a cancer that takes over the whole body. And there's no way out of it. Right? There's no way out of it. So that's the concept and the idea. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he gives us a goal, he gives us a sign that we're progressing, that signs of arrival, that's why Imam al-Ghazali, he talks about there is a, um, a stage, a state, of a category of awliya called al-wasilun they have arrived where is he making that judgment from because they have revealed the signs of arrival are upon them one of the greatest signs of this arrival is al-qabul Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes it in the hadith of the announcement of wilaya wilaya is our goal our goal as individuals here is to become awliya Allah the goal of, of uh, uh, and when we give da'wah, the goal is to bring people into Islam. Just to believe in La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. That's the goal. When we're Muslim already, the goal is to have taqwa. To be from Ashab al-Yameen, not Ashab al-Shimal. Which is the major deeds, we do, the obligations, we do them. The major sins, we avoid them. And as much as possible in private as well. But at least we have enough shame enough taqwa to avoid doing them in public okay and then to do it in private now takes a little bit more taqwa and then once we've arrived at that level and say okay been five years i don't drink i don't i never skip prayers like what's next is to be from al-muqarrabin as allah says in surah al-waqi'ah those who are very near to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's the path of wilaya in this hadith of wilaya allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said, the Prophet says, If Allah loves Abd, wait, doesn't Allah love everybody? The answer is no. Allah has mercy with everybody, and Allah has opened a path for us to receive His love. So the divine love for everybody is there, but we have to open that path and travel it. It's not, no love is a one way street, right? No love is a one-way street. Like, I want to love all my kids. But they also have to reciprocate for it. Now, if they start doing everything the opposite of what I want, how can I love them anymore? At some point, like, I can't love you anymore. At every single turn, you're going against me. So you have to, we have to do our part to open the door and clear the route and go claim that love. I mean, Amazon can deliver us a package, but you got to go to your door open the door, take the package, and open the back. Amazon can't do that for you, right? They want to make your life so easy, they'll bring you the box right to your house, but you got to move too, right? Same with divine love. So what we say, which is different from the Christians, is that we say that the divine love, that Allah has mercy over all people. He has rahmah over all people. That's a big difference. He has rahmah for all people. The fact that you're, he invited you into existence, that you uh, are alive, that you're breathing, thinking. The sun is out for everybody. Food's out, for, out there for everybody. That aspect. But love, we have to reciprocate. So Allah does not love just anybody. It has to be a two-way street. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, إِذَا أَحَبَّ اللَّهُ عَبْدًا نَادَى جِبْرِيلٍ He calls Jibreel. I love so-and-so, so you now love him. That means transfer this person's maqam in your heart from 
applicant to accepted. Like on a desk, that's how it would be. But in the spiritual realm, it's in the heart. In his heart. Oh, Jibreel, love him. He's not just a murid anymore. He's murad. He's not a seeker. He's wanted. Okay? He's accepted. He's loved. ثُمَّ يُنَادِي جِبْرِيلِ إِلَىٰ فِي أَهْلِ السَّمَاءِ يَا أَهْلَ السَّمَاءِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ فُلَانًا فَأَحِبُّهُ O people of the heavens, Allah loves so and so, so you love him. فَيُحِبُّهُ أَهْلُ السَّمَاءِ So all the, those in the heavens love him. This is a great ceremony. You think graduation from school is a big deal? This is the ceremony. Then Ahlul Sama, those angels of the heavens, when they come down, what does the Prophet said? Thumma yuda'ulahu al-qabool fil-ard. Then, qabool, acceptance, is placed for him on the earth. What does that mean? It means that the pious Muslims, they, began to, they begin to love him too. This is called Al-Qabool. What's an example of Qabool? Is not Imam al-Bukhari? Is there anyone in the Ummah that any reputable, pious person, scholar, non-scholar, who does not have a place in his heart for Imam al-Bukhari? Of all the names, it's impossible to... Who can compete? Who can compete? Who has... Anything bad to say about Imam al-Bukhari except the entire ummah surrounds him and expels him like you expel a piece of mucus out of your mouth. That's what they are. I haven't seen anybody attack Imam al-Bukhari then be accepted in the, any body of Muslim uh, um, practice. Anybody, any, any organization. Show me one person who has aggression towards Imam al-Bukhari said a word, yet is suddenly like no problem accepted. Okay? So that's where we're looking at here. Al-Qabool is the greatest sign that someone... Qabool by whom? Ulama ahl sunnah Sulaha ahl sunnah The scholars of the religion and the pious people of the religion. They love a person. Now at a small level, when there's somebody, let's say in a family, in a community, and the pious and everybody just has good things to say about them. Right? That's a sign of qabul. Then if they die, now here's the problem with qabul. If you're still alive, you can still lose it. Wilaya, by definition, can be something that it's lost because its establishment in the first place is dhanni. Right? Its establishment of wilaya for a person while he's alive in the first place is dhanni. It's possible that it can be lost. Dhanni means like it's speculative. It's based on our understanding, our, our view of things, our observation. It could be lost. And it has been lost by many people. There was a, a man in the time of Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam who turned against Sayyidina Musa. Allah reveals this story in the Qur'an. And he dies a kafir. So, he, had, he was accepted by Sayyidina Musa and all the Bani Israel at one point. 
So that may have seemed like, like it's based on our observation. But as long as you're alive, you can fall. So that's why the truest and the best and the most reliable sign of acceptance with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is qabul of the sulaha and the ulama of Ahl-Sunnah, of Islam, because Ahl-Sunnah is Islam, after their death. It's stronger than before their death. So after the death is more important. Or at the moment of death, since most likely, most likely, and Allah knows best, people can't take action while they're on their deathbed sickness. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically have people have prolonged sicknesses? So they don't mess up the scoreboard. Right? Just stop it right here. No action. And Allah knows best, but it's also purification. With that... With that, we will return to reading this book, which is the uh, opening of hearts. We read from this every once in a while, okay? Every once in a while, to keep our hearts fresh, fresh for akhirah. Till we die, we're going to be reading from this book. But first, we have to see about this murder that Reed talked to us about but sh- sh- where is it? Someone give me the link. Muslima killed in Chicago because I said there's no news. There is news. Okay. Muslim, Muslim woman, Chicago, killed. Do you see it, Ryan? <coughs> um, yes. And Reed said... Okay. Um, Georgia man alright I mean Georgia to Chicago is a long drive I don't see any I don't see anything here okay let's take out Chicago her name is Sonia Sonia who? Sonia Khan Well, she's obviously a famous person because she's all over the internet as some kind of a health something. You have WhatsApp right now? I have WhatsApp, yeah. You send me the link? Good. All right, we're looking up this story because today's, it's Muslims in the News is our topic for today, but I didn't see any Muslims in the News. There was no news, so we're going to read from the death. We're going to read from that. But first, we're going to see this situation. You sent it? There's supposedly a situation about a murder. I got it. Chicago Sun Times. So I guess it's a big deal if it's in the Chicago Sun Times. Yeah. 
Georgia man traveled to Chicago and fatally shot his ex-wife. Oh, this is this is a a personal beef. It looks like. All right. Then killed himself. This is like it's not like it doesn't look like it's beef with Muslims. It looks like it's just interfamily their own their own issues, right? Is that what it is? That's what it looks like to me. Let's see here. So a Georgia man traveled to Chicago, shot his ex-wife. It's a different Sonia Khan from the health lady, the health uh, industry. Sonia Khan, there's multiple Sonia Khans. This is Sanya Khans. Thania. As in Thania Thnein. You know, that's like the female version of Abu Bakr. You name Sanya. In order to only, they have this subcontinent. For their love of Abu Bakr, they've named, they're the only people who have named Sanya Thnein, which is from the Quran, Thania Thnein. Second of two. In the verse of the Quran, second of two in the cave. Thania Thnein idhuma fil ghar. So to make the feminine version, it's Sanya. Okay? So it's a Sunni name that represents Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. All right, so what happens here? This, woman, this young lady, her ex-husband, traveled from Georgia, drove all the way. I mean, you didn't think twice. You drove all that time. And clearly the Mada'ika, they... You block them out. That he drove all the way from Atlanta to Illinois. So for for those of you in England, that's like from the southern tip of England to the northern tip of England, and then probably back. All right, Ahmed, Rahil Ahmed, his name is, and his wife Sania Khan. They were going through a divorce. He was depressed and went there to salvage his marriage. All right, so he went there not with the intent of murder. He went there to save his marriage. Good story so far. He's in love. What can you do? Two of her friends, though, said that the divorce was already final. And then when the police were called and they entered, they found Khan unresponsive and they heard a gunshot from outside the door. And they found her already full of blood. This is more of a, uh, I mean, it's a bad story, bad thing, but it's not like Islamic-related news. It's just a beef that happened between two people. Okay? He had a 9mm Glock and a suicide note, and he killed himself. She was pronounced dead at the scene. Ahmed was taken to the hospital. And there he died. Her death was a homicide and his was a suicide. Khan was a photographer. She took pictures of weddings and of happy couples. And she had a professional website, all right, as all photographers do, showing examples. I help people fall in love with themselves. Well, that's not a good thing, but... And each other in front of the camera. Fair enough. I used to love travel so much that I was a flight attendant. My favorite layover was Chicago. And who would have known I would have moved there two years later? Okay, this is just all her personal stuff that's not really relevant to... um... All right, Grant, a friend of Khan's from high school, he didn't want his last name published, said she was going to move back. 
All right, to start planning her next part of her life, her photography career. You're stepping into the next chapter of your life, and then you left us. All right, I mean, it's a bad story, but it's not exactly like Ummah news. It's just like news of a Muslim woman, right? But since Reed is, you know, one of our regulars, if she asks for it, then we'll give it to her. And we gave it to her. So there you go, Reed. We read it for you. Yeah, it is tragic, but it sounds like just like family beef, not necessarily um, uh, not necessarily like an Islamic thing or Muslim-related. Someone said to me uh, the other day, what do you call two vegans having an argument? You know this joke, right? What is it called? When two vegans have an argument. Uh, beef. <laughs> it's called beef. Beef, right? And a silly kids joke. You know, all these intermediate school kids that are really excited about the joke. Right? All right, Reed. We read it. It's terrible. And, and guess what? I read one of the worst, worse than this. Michigan family of four kids, husband and wife. The guy... Gambled away the family fortune. And he gambled, and to get it back, he only had one thing to put on the line to show you how bad gambling is. Okay? On the night before, it was like the night before Aid or something like that. And he's hanging out with his friends, and the only thing that he could do to to, to gain and pay off his gambling debt, which was now in six figures, was his house and a gambling debt. Now, you know that in the gambling underworld, it's always connected to, to some kind of gangs or mafiosos. It's the only way to make you pay up. He puts his house on the line. This is an Arab family in Michigan, or maybe it was Daisy, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. They're in Michigan, though. It's a couple years ago. And he lost. He lost the poker game. He lost his house. He goes the next morning. While, I don't know what, while the kids are asleep, he puts a bullet in everyone's head. And then he puts a bullet in his own head. Five Muslims killed. Five people. At that point, it's just the human side of things take over. And you just wonder, gambling is just one of the worst vices. It destroys everybody. Uh... Rimla Khans, is this Rimla? Why are we just discussing this, just wondering? Well, we, are, we were discussing this case of, because it, Wednesdays we do Muslims in the news, and usually some Ummah-related news, but nonetheless, like, so as I said, we don't have any news today, so we're going to read from the opening of Hearts about uh, the sign of a good ending in life. But then Reed said, no, there is this tragic thing that happened. So we read that case, and that's why, um, that's why we ended up uh, discussing murders within the family, right? And and how, you know, these these are tragedies. What can you do? But gambling is always part of it, and or gambling is is whenever it comes, it's, it's never good. 
All right, let's start off now. Let's go back to readings. And we start off with our sponsors, a word from our sponsors. And our first sponsor is MeccaBooks.com. MeccaBooks.com. Coupon code Safina. Now, you will not find this book on MeccaBooks, unfortunately. He doesn't supply this book. Just look it up and type in Lulu Press. You can get this book from Lulu Press. This is a massive, massive work. Massive, massive work. And the author of this, this work, he didn't even put his name here. Here, it's translated in the, in the page three. My Mehdi Lak. Mehdi Lak. I love Mehdi Lak. Mehdi Lak is a brother that, he's an international brother. He's a, he is Russian by ethnicity. Grew up in Britain. I think partly in Canada. Spent some time in America. He's an international guy. And his, his knowledge, mashallah, he's upon, you know, like where there's forks in the road, he's like on the right track. Like all the time, mashallah. May Allah preserve him and accept him. All right, Mahdi Lak. And when he was doing this, it happened after the death of his mother-in-law. And again, I to- as I said, because we're having this in our community, that someone's dying. Hospice care. Hospice care means the doctors have said, nothing we can do. We just put them in a room, give them pain medications, and let them just die. That's what hospice care is. There's a feeling around that time. When a righteous person is going to die, there's always a, a feeling of, like, you just feel that there's a little bit of a window opening up into the afterlife. And you're seeing someone that you know you walked around with, right? And the feeling that they're leaving this abode and going to that other abode. He's, he experienced the same thing with his mother-in-law, who was an older woman in England, and she was towards the end of her life. And then when she died, it was like, again, a, a, like a blessed, almost like a blessed feeling there. And so he was inspired to write something for his family, for his sisters-in-law, his brother-in-law, whatever, his family, his wife. And so he came upon this book, all right, The Opening of Hearts. Of course, it was in Arabic. A huge book. I mean, look, just look at this, like 500 pages. And he said, you know what, I'm going tra- to translate this. And he starts translating it, but it's so huge. And he says to himself, well, if I translate two hadiths, two entries, two pages a day, two pages a day, I'll finish it within a year. And of course, you know when you ever do this, and the first month it's wonderful, but then you trail off. Something happens in life, like Ramadan, for example, a a disruptor. Not in a bad way, it's a disruptor. Or like you get the flu. It disrupts all your schedules, right? I always tell him, I, I actually feel that um, he met an angel one day. Because he was at a bookstore one time. And he had moved, I think, to some other country and not brought his book with him, the Arabic. So he didn't have anything to, he couldn't translate anymore. Because he had moved and he left his books over there in another country. So he's at a bookstore one time. And this bookstore has all sorts of wonderful books. And he asked the, the attendant, or the guy who was working at the bookstore, he's like, do you have this book in Shafi Fiqh? And he said, oh yeah, we have this, here it is. Then he turns around, 
and he finds a man saying, uh, A complete stranger saying to him, well, what about the opening of hearts? This, this book is called Sharh al-Sudur, or the appeasement of hearts. The solace to the heart of someone who lost a loved one. ماذا عن شرح السدور? This complete stranger says to him. And then, as is really the sign that of an otherworldly experience, he, he turned around and without thinking, just said to the attendant, without thinking that this person does not know me, does not know I was working on this book. I've never seen this person before, right? But when you have those otherworldly experiences, you just absorb it and you move on. And then afterwards, you realize, wait a second, who was that? How did that happen? That's malaika. So he said to the attendant, oh, do you have the book Sharh al-Sudur? And he says, yes. Okay. And he gives him the book and he buys the book and he starts his translationing. And then afterwards, he's like, wait a second, who was that person? That's an amazing, you know, spiritual opening. And when you have those things connected to your works and to your life, it gives, you know, such a feeling of, of meaningfulness. So let's take a look at the sign of a good end. A Tirmidhi said, on the authority of Enes, that the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, if Allah wants goodness for a slave, he uses him. That's wonderful. When Allah wants goodness for somebody he employs him in the work of good deeds do good deeds right do good things so that you rack up good deeds and you earn the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you earn the forgiveness a scholar a group of scholars it is said a group of scholars came on the day of judgment okay group of scholars came on the day their deeds were mixed and they looked at each other this is this is like uh, one of the stories told by some of the awliya it's not a hadith they look at each other and they said uh, what do you think Allah is going to do with us he says I don't know I mean we we taught our whole lives but we also had an ego and we made a lot of mistakes we did a lot of sins so we have to ask Allah to accept our, our, our good deeds, our teaching people. We teach people fiqh, tajweed, hadith, hifz of Qur'an, all these things, our whole lives, and we hope Allah forgives our sins. They wait on the araf, the area where deeds are 50-50. It's called the araf. On the araf, you look right, you see people going to paradise. You look left, you see people falling into the abysses of hell. And So you're nervous and hopeful at the same time. You don't know where you're going. Until finally they hear a voice which says, if I wanted to punish you, I would not have let you learn my religion. SubhanAllah. Go, for you are all forgiven. So it's like for the scholars who did the best of deeds, but they still had egos, and their egos made them commit sins. Okay? I mean, some, sometimes scholars, they, they don't always behave well in their personal lives. Should, but they don't always do. So, another hadith says, If Allah loves the abd, He makes him needed by the people. Some of these shiuch, like I remember Abdul Hakim Murad saying that he didn't know how Habib Ahmad Mashur al Haddad, 
how does he live? He doesn't know how he, how does a human being live like this? He has no private time at all. There's no such thing as private time. He is needed and people are knocking at his door and his door is basically almost open to everybody at all times. I think he had his wife and most of the wives of Shiuch, they're also involved. They're the mediators, they're the middlemen, they're the intermediaries with the women. Okay? So they're always receiving the questions of the women then coming to their husband in the same way that Sayyidah Aisha, she used to bring, a woman would come and she used to bring the question to the Prophet ﷺ because the Prophet's not going to be alone with the woman in the room. That's the role of the wives of those legends. If you look at the life of most shiuch, you just wonder how they survive. They have zero downtime, zero private time. Even when they have downtime and they're relaxing, all the murids want to relax around them too. Like I remember in Tarim, Yemen, there was a pool house. There was a house with a kitchen and some bathrooms and like a courtyard, a covered courtyard and a swimming pool. And at nighttime, they used to open it up and people used to go swimming and sometimes a shiuch would go there to unwind. But even there, they're shiuch. So people are still asking them questions. People are bringing out food. And one time, it was like a party. Imagine having a pool party with a sheikh. That's what it was like. Like we were all swimming and the shiuch sitting at the, there's like a outdoor area, but it's covered. And they were sitting there and food was brought out and we went late into the night. So that's how the she like they, un, even when they unwind, they're, they're, people are milking them for knowledge, milking them for dua. So when Allah loves a person, He makes them needed. Makes them needed. SubhanAllah. If we're not useful to the society, we should worry. And some people are not useful to the society in their own mind. In their own mind, they're not useful, but they are. How? You may be useful and you may spend your entire life serving a disabled child. And you don't know. You're absorbing bala that would have been went to other people. Because you're the example. You're the example of somebody, and, and, and we know some people, that their entire life is consumed taking care of one or two kids that have various disabilities, physical or mental. So you have, that person has taken the role and has putting up a position that is basically announcing to the world, say alhamdulillah, say alhamdulillah for your lives. I've absorbed it. At Gaza, the people of Gaza, are they have no use to the ummah? Now you can argue, and you will be correct in saying, what have the people of Gaza put out? But that's such a, a shallow view, because what they've put out is that they make the entire ummah say alhamdulillah. Allah has chosen them to take on that bully and to bear the brunt of that bully. Allah has chosen them for that. They're absorbing that. So you are either with bala, you're in the world of bala, you're absorbing tribulations so that the rest of us can say, 
wow, look at this blessing that we have. And make du'a for you. And you're elevated for fulfilling that role in the society and the community. Like the disabled person. Every masjid, there's someone disabled. Someone with an arm that doesn't work. A spine, spinal cord that was cut and they have to use a wheelchair. They're serving the position of reminding Allah has chosen them. Through you, I will remind everyone of the blessing that they have. So nobody complains. And they're absorbing that bala, that is their khidmah to the ummah. That is a massive khidmah to the ummah. So don't ever ask, well, what am I doing? There's not only one way to be, to be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's not only one course of action. If a person has taqwa in their ibadat and their aqidah, Allah ta'ala will open a way for them. We'll show you your path. So here we have other people that Allah has made them healthy. All right? If Allah makes you healthy, then you better be in the khidmah. I'll tell you what you don't want to be. You don't want to be somebody, Allah has given you health and wealth and time and everything, and you give a little bit of khidmah to the ummah, and then you just spend the time enjoying, go on vacation, let's build the house, let's do this, let's buy that, let's just... I would say, this is not the right way. Spend your... Allah says in the Quran, With all your energy, go into the service. Be of service. However you can. Allah will open a way. You keep pecking and Allah will open the way for you. Find a way. And Allah will open the way for you. But don't forget a little bit of dunya for yourself. Don't forget a little bit. You know what some of the awliya said? When they were asked, what does it mean don't forget your portion of the dunya? He said, your kefin wrap. Your burial wrap. That's the only thing you take with you. Other people said, it's one hour at night, every night with your wife and your kids. Bring out the food, bring out the leftovers, and we sit around. In the old days, here in America, sit around the fire, probably everywhere in the world. Today, sit around the living room for an evening to touch base with your family. Right? Subhanallah. Allah says, as for your dunya, just don't forget about it. Mahmoud Zaini, uh, the way that we operate on this live stream, right when I finish giving this um, presentation, or our segment, we open up for Q&A and put your question right here in the live stream. You can go to YouTube, do it there, at Safina Society, or do it here, and I will answer the question, if I, ha- if I know the answer. The Prophet ﷺ said, If Allah loves the abd, He gives them tawfiq to do good deeds before He dies. So you look at al-khatima. Al-khatima. Husnul khatima. Having a good end. That's the most important thing. Now, the one who lives with a checkered past and the one who has a clean past, they're not going to be the same. But that doesn't mean that Allah cannot forgive the person with a checkered past. Okay. Someone asked me a question. And if you ask a question about the deen, I'm going to answer you. That doesn't mean I like you or I don't like you. Okay? But I'm going to just tell you what the deen says because it's not my religion, right? I can't I can't make stuff up. They asked me, a woman doesn't wear hijab. What's the ruling? I said kabira. So the person said, "Are you telling me I'm sinful?" I said 
Yes. I'm telling you that's the ruling. Right? How do, I, how do you say that to people like well, you deal with all the time? I don't just befriend people because like other, my other friends from the guys in the local community. Oh, so I just, I eat from McDonald's. Is it haram? I say, yes, that meat's not the biha. He said, but we've been hanging out forever. I was like, I don't go and asking people what they do. If they're nice to me and we're in the local community together, we hang out. And someone says, oh, you told them that? It's haram? Aren't you friends? I'm friends with the guy, right? It's not my religion. Right? If, if a lawyer asks me something, if I ask my lawyer, hey, can I not pay taxes this year? He's going to say no. I don't make up the rules of the deen. There are a lot of people that I like, and they do a lot of haram things. Has nothing to do with like or not like. Has nothing to do with good person or bad person. It has nothing to do with that. It's just what the book says. What the law says. That's it. All right. So they say, well, isn't Allah merciful? I said, yes, Allah is merciful. But are you, you don't also know, also know that he's just. So the person who did things right and the person who did something wrong, there's going to be a difference. There, there will be a difference. Even if Allah has mercy on both, there will be a difference. There has to be a difference. So, but what's most important is to rectify yourself before your death. And here's the beauty of it. You don't know when you're going to die. Here we have someone in our local community uh, in their 40s and they're on their way out. How many of the, of the last 10 janazas we have, I bet you at least one of them is under the age of 40, under the age of 50. So you don't know. So you better act quick. You better act quick and get things right quick so that you can be from those people who have more right to Allah's mercy. Or, have, or I should say, nobody has a right to Allah's mercy, but should have positioned himself better to receive the divine mercy. We don't cut corners in the law. You know what people say about us? Raya, you probably may not know these, some of these circles. But we have some lukewarmers in the community. Lukewarmer is someone, they love the deen. Well, they truly love the deen. But they also, they have habits. They have bad habits. And like at certain occasions, they may beha- behave badly. Like from an Islamic perspective. And people from the more stricter communities... They say, that's because you are too lenient. You're just uh, all about spirituality. You're too lenient, right? My response is, if someone comes to us, to our masjid, with a warm spirit, a good spirit, a good heart, I'm never going to make them feel bad about anything. While at the same time, never shortchanging them and not telling them the truth. But I'm not going to isolate them. How do people change? They change slowly. Like the, the, the night comes day slowly. So yeah, we tolerate that and we get accused all the time. Oh, there we go. Those are the MBIC guys. Those are the people who hang out, right? And yeah, they take Safi Society classes. And yet there they are, doing this, that, and the other. Oh, and there's that sister, blah, blah, blah. And they, but I welcome those who come with a sincere intention and they need time to change. Yet at the same time, I cannot shortchange them and tell them what's haram is halal and vice versa and something's not sinful. I can't do that. That would be cheating them. Right? So I can't cheat them. So rectify yourselves before you die. Every one of us has got to do this 
Because if you do, that is one of the best signs. If you can rectify yourself, don't cut corners in the sacred law. Forget culture. I don't care about culture. Culture is not going to save me on the day of judgment. My grandmother doesn't like me to do this. My mom doesn't like me to do this. My dad doesn't like me to do this. Go ask your dad to save you on the day of judgment. He can't even save himself. Some people are stronger than others. They just do it, and that's it. And, uh, and others, they worry, well, what's my mom going to say? What's my husband going to say? What's my wife going to say? So I tell those people, eventually, every once in a while, you've got to say, listen, strengthen yourself up so that you could be sleep with a sound mind. Okay? Don't cut corners in the sacred law. So some people, they have that checkered background, and maybe for the last 20 years of their lives... They're upright. They wipe away all their sins. Other people, only one year before their life. And some people literally, like weeks and months, and days before their death, they rectify themselves. And that is a good sign. But you don't want to bank on that. All right? You don't want to bank on that because you don't know when you're going to die. And just because, yes, they had a good ending does not mean, does not mean that they won't have some hardship in the grave, some hardship at the moment of death, hardship in the resurrection, and then they get the mercy. You don't want to go that route. You want ease from the moment you die. I feel like another part... Yeah, come close to the mic. Another part of this hadith where it says, like, Allah Allah loves us and gives him the tawfiq to do good deeds. So there's like so many dimensions to that, like that Allah is the one who's giving you the ability to do good things. Like we have no um, like credit for what we do. So there's a lot of, and for people, that's one thing for people at the end of their life, to be thankful to Allah and not to be self-righteous about their good deeds. Yeah. And also for young people who don't have the tawfiq to do all the good deeds, maybe they can't have a high station. It's also about the father of Allah. There's Subhan- a wisdom behind that. We don't do anything from ourselves. It is Allah who inspires an action. And all we have, as Habib Omar teaches, is the ability to put yourself in a position to be used. And how? Make yourself malleable. Okay? You can't use a tool that's stubborn. I can't use an employee who's stubborn. Be malleable. How do I be malleable? Study fiqh. Study fiqh and follow it. And I'll tell you, you'll get such a feeling of sweetness, you'll become an addict. I'll tell you how this works. And I remember this, subhanAllah, from when I was like 13, 14. And that's why it's always good to teach people the deen when they're young, because there's nothing to sacrifice. There's very little to sacrifice when you're young. So I remember loving certain things. Then getting the shock of my life, learning is haram. Then you go through like the phases. Denial. No, 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 he's an extremist. Can't be haram. But your mind sees the evidence and, and you can't sleep at night comfortably because you know the evidence is right. You know it's haram. But your nafs is in a rejection. You get through that rejection phase, that denial phase, and then as you grow older, you get better, right? Because you now search for other evidences. Back in the old days, if someone showed you a book and said, here's the, here's the ruling... You can't go to Google. There was no Google to f- go find a fatwa for yourself. 
and find another ruling. And oh, the Vahidis say this, right? Or Khalid Abu Fadl said that. There was none of that. There's like two books in the whole town right, on Islam. So that was it. So it was easy. You get through that denial phase. Then you hit a procrastination phase. Okay, fine. I admit, I put up the white flag, I'm wrong, it's haram, I get it. I'll do it. But not now. When this, this, the year ends and I'm out of school, then I'll do it. When I'm home all alone, I don't have to go to my friends, right? then I'll do it. So you get into the procrastination phase. But then finally, usually a bad thing happens that lowers your ego a little bit or forces you to make a lot of ibadah, dua. When your ego goes down and your dua goes up, you're stronger and your iman is stronger. You view the world in a different way. And you sub, you're more submissive to the sacred law. Then you say, all right, you know what? I'm going to muster it up and I'm really bothered by this cognitive dissonance inside myself. I'm doing this thing, yet I know for sure it's haram. Now I'm ready. And you just break through. And you do it. When you break through and you do it, it seems it's like pulling cotton out of a cotton bed. It's not fun. But after you do it, there is such a sakina that comes down on you and it's as if a huge burden is lifted off of you and you realize that's the sakina of Allah. That's His reward. Right then and there, He rewarded you. Right on the spot. The moment you, don't, you, you, you fix yourself. And then you, you put two and two together. Like, oh my gosh, this feeling of just being at peace. To be like, I'm a raging sea to now a flat lake, a flat ocean, right? You're like, wait a second, that felt really good. Hey, what else is haram so I could do that again? I want to do it again. Isn't that the feeling? It's like, and, and some people, when I went through that phase... And a lot of people go through this. And a lot of people can recognize this. You go into the books of law and you want to repeat it. I want another challenge. What's the next challenge? So you start looking up in these books of fiqh and hadith. And back in the day, we didn't know anything. So just look up hadiths, right? What else is haram? Give me something haram. I want to pluck that weed too. You ever pluck weeds out of, uh, out of your backyard, your, lo- your, your, your patio, and the patio looks so good afterwards. And then you become obsessed with plucking the weeds. So become obsessed. Then you learn of obligations. And you ask, oh, this is fudd. I remember we prayed subh in our family. We pray when you wake up, if you have an exam, right? The idea that you have to get up at five in the morning, it was new. And I was like in denial for a long time. Like, no, that, this was for the old days only. Pray fetch. And now we pray when you wake up. When we came around to the fact that no, we're actually obligated. So we went through denial and procrastination. Actually have to get up for fetch? And then we did. We're like, oh my gosh, that felt so good. It's the rida of Allah Ta'ala coming down on your hearts. Sakina coming down on your heart. So what do you do next? What else is fart? What else is obligatory? And you, mo- you start mowing it down. You start mowing down these sins and mowing down like a pitcher who's in a groove. Right? He gets that first strikeout, boom, that's it. He's going to get 10 strikeouts in a row. Okay. Subhanallah. So then you become, subhanallah, you, you uh, start 
searching for challenges, spiritual challenges, anything to overcome my ego. So that's where you want to have a good ending to your life. And you want to have that good ending, but you want it earlier. You don't want to wait until right before you die. That's no, that's no good. When Allah loves the abd, He sweetens him. How does He sweeten him? He gives him tawfiq to do good deeds. Okay. In a way that make his neighbors happy with him. Oh, this is beautiful. So, there are people who do good deeds, but they're not loved. Right? They're not loved. They're not sweet. They're not nice. They're mean. That means that person is still on their way. Right? They're still cooking. They're not done yet. So, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the abd, this is narrated by Imam Ahmad, he makes the people around him love him. Even if he's way more religious than everybody else, and you f- but he never makes you feel bad. And that's one of the big things that I've been taught many, many times. You have taqwa and do your thing and follow every sunnah and speak the truth. But don't dare make another Muslim feel less than. Don't ever make another Muslim feel that they're outsiders. Outsiders to what? Allah is available for everybody. Right? Don't ever make a Muslim feel that you're special to them in the sense that, that you're someone special and unique and they're someone some nobody no there's a million ways to draw near to Allah Ta'ala it's very very important and so the idea that his neighbors and his family are pleased with him that means he's, done, he's doing it right he's doing it and he's maintaining his humility and if you want to know the reality of humility, it's that you don't become humble. You are, by nature, lowly, right? The humble person is not achieving anything except discovering and acting according to his actual reality. You, any one of us is dispensable. And Islam will move on. Life will move on. Your wife will move on. Your kids will move on. Everyone will move on, right? Right? How many people, their parents died, they moved on. You're not, you're, you think you're indispensable? No, you're, you could be backspaced. You could be removed, deleted. Everyone will move on. Okay? And maybe even better than when they had you. So that is the, that's not an insult. That's the haqiqah of things. That's the reality. So a humble person is doing nothing except living according to actual reality. Everyone could move on without me. Right? The people who depend on me for everything. They can move on without me. Allah will provide from them with someone else and maybe even better. So with that reality, you, become, you have to be humble. Ibn Abi Dunya narrates on the authority of a Sayyid Aisha radiallahu anha to the Prophet wasallam. When Allah wants good for a slave, He sends an angel to him a year before his death who guides him gives him success in fulfilling Allah's will, meaning the Sharia, until he dies as one of the best people of his time. Then the people say, he died upon the best of deeds. When death approaches and he sees what has been prepared for him, his soul starts to be summoned from its eagerness to depart. 
This is him loving to meet Allah and Allah loving to meet him. If Allah, see, that's how it is. That before their death, that Allah Ta'ala starts showing him, all right, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, so you're going to do these amazing things. Then shortly before their death, Allah starts to show them their rewards in the afterlife, so they start losing the attachment to this life. You ever wonder why the dead don't come to us in our dreams and don't visit us? And some people say, oh, I saw this dead person. I I haven't seen, my father died, but he never comes to me in a dream. Probably seeing things that are keeping him busy. And not only keeping him busy from coming us back to the dunya, into people's dreams, but also so reassuring that he's no longer worried about you. This is one of the ni'am. That when people go to the barzakh and the other world, they're, they no longer worry. That when they see Allah's rahmah, they don't worry. You left an orphan in the dunya, but you see Allah's rahmah, I have no worries about it. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. So he doesn't need to come back like some... But usually, people who pass away... Immediately they come and give some reassurance to their loved ones in a vision. But that's it. That's enough. Khalas. That's reassurance for you. But after that, I'm not worried about you. Allah's rahmah is so vast. So they lose attachment to this hayat dunya through displacement and seeing all the great rewards and all the great rahmah. And they realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is rahmah and mahabba. As one person said on the strength, al-wadud which means loving, subtly loving. It's the most intimate love. So then, But where's the punishment? That's what I said. The punishment is attached to bad deeds, so you don't do them. Okay, That's what it means. That's why there's punishment. But other than that, the nature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with His ibad is in Surah Al-Fatiha, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, again mentioned. But if somebody has an ill will if Allah wills something else and this person does not love to meet Allah then Allah allows a devil to join him in the last period of his life and lead him to worse and worse and worse and worse deeds until he dies as one of the worst people of his time and the people say he was the worst alhamdulillah that his oppression is over with his death. And they start hating to meet him as he hates to meet Allah. That person hated to meet Allah, so Allah made all the other people hate him. Okay, the, the other people, are, the people's opinion about you is sometimes a reflection of Allah's opinion. Al-sinatul nasi aqlamul haqq. Which is the, pen, the tongues of people are sometimes the pens of the truth. Know that the soul comes out when the angel of death summons it. And it is the same kind of summoning that one uses to call a snake out of its lair. The exiting of the two bodies is the same once the call has been made. As for the believer, he summons his soul to come out as the meaning of tahawwa. It's to force one's vomiting to come out. As for the disbeliever, he's clinging to his soul, and it's called taballu', okay, which is to return what is in your mouth back into the body. Okay, so he's trying to keep his soul here, 
and the Manaika are trying to pull it out. One of the scholars said the reasons that would necessitate an evil end are four. They have been neglectful about their salah, they drink khamr, they have uquq al-walidain, and they harmed the Muslims. These are four um, these are four sources of su al-khatima, having a bad end. And I'm telling you, uh, one of the worst is cutting off the ummah. That means thinking you're better than everybody else and ignoring the Muslims and having no concern for them. Okay. So, let's stop here and take our Q&A. What do we have here? We got... Remember, we're not scrolling up. So put your questions from now, and if you put it already, then put it again. Sajal Ibrahim says, I have free time, and I really want to use this time to learn about the deen. Where do I start? Arcview.org. And by the way, we are rebuilding the entire Arcview site. It's going to be so easy to use. But for now, go to our temporary site, arcview.org. Classes are live. There's classes for high schoolers, middle schoolers, and adults. Sajal Ibrahim, if you sign up for arcview.org, then Saturday morning there's Tajweed with Nuh Saunders. Tuesday, there's Fiqh and Tafsir. Okay. I was in... Uh morning I was sitting in Sheikh Murad's Aqidah class. Yeah. It's a kid's class, but I was just disguised. Was, yeah. You know, it's really, it's still a really good class. It's, it's a great class. Yeah. Murad Uthman is our, uh, is our Aqidah teacher. And uh, subhanAllah, he's, he's really good. He's really thorough and he knows his stuff. Sage says, or Segal says, I start everything and stop the next week. I ask Allah to keep me consistent, but I think Allah wants me to do my part and show him I really want to learn his deen and teach. I mean, I always think that a person should go to their local shiuch if they have one. But so many people in the world don't. So you have to have an online community. So this is our online halakha here. And then through ArcView, we have WhatsApp groups. And that's how we're trying to encourage people to, to connect online and have some community online. Okay. Are you available, able to build an app for ArcView? Well, I believe there is an app, but not for iPhone. And the app would be the Teachable app, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Because Teachable is the repository of the classes. Okay. Rimla is part of our focus group that we're going to perfect. We're really going to work hard on making this system as easy as possible for people to join they could see all the classes and they could take what they want from the pre-recorded classes and then they could take the uh, live classes we always have live classes and we have pre-recorded classes on ArcView and the idea the goal behind ArcView is exactly what just happened that I want to be able to go out talk to the Muslims and someone says hey where can I learn Tajweed boom ArcView.org it's $10 a month it's basically free. And then the ArcView Plus, which is a scholarship track, slowly to put people on a heavier scholarship level, is 49 bucks a month. But again, this summer is the summer of complete rebuilding 
and revamping the entire ArcView platform. And it's going to be just so much better. Inshallah ta'ala with your du'a. We need your du'a. Our, our philosophy of victory in Islam is that it's by madad. It's by sakina. It's by ibadah. That's the a Muslim's philosophy of victory in this life. Is ibadah first. Sakina comes from Allah. Then it inspires you to the right actions. So you have to take the actions after. Some people say, oh, you're just doing ibadah. And no, we need to act. It's both. You can't just do one. Okay? It's, you have to have both. You guys are inspired to do the wrong actions. You're inspired by Iblis. Some of these Muslim activists, like when I look at it, how is this Islamic? How is it Islamic to do something against the deen? And you're saying Muslim activism. So you're inspired by the wrong source. So we need to purify our hearts, bring down that sakina and that nur, and then take action. And activism is two things. It's um, relief, providing relief to the hungry, to the poor. But then there's advocacy, fighting for the oppressed. I don't know how, but we need to get to that element of fighting for the oppressed. I don't know how. I don't know how. You know how we, what we might do is just create, maybe one day down the line, we create a fund and then people can apply like the cases, legal cases, right? And then we could, we could get lawyers to support them, right? Something like that. Because I don't know, I don't know, I wouldn't know how, act, how to go into the advocacy route. Sajal says, I have Muslim friends and every time we hang out, we talk about other people and I ended up saying things I don't like. Do I cut off those friends because I don't want to become, come off as if I'm better? It's not that you're better. It's that you want to do something better. We don't know about ourselves, right? But Allah knows the best about other people and us. So you know the idea of don't judge? Don't judge is about, don't judge the soul of another person. Because you don't know how they're going to die. They may die upon Tawbah. So don't go there. You don't know what phase they're in in life. But as for the act that he's doing right now, I can judge that. Of course I can. I can judge right now that the act that he did is bad. A guy zips through a red light, right? He zips through a red light. And he almost causes an accident. I can judge that what he did was illegal. But I can't judge why he did it. Maybe he's... Maybe he's got his wife in the car and she's about to have a baby. Then I would laugh it off, right? We'd all laugh it off. And we'd root for the guy. Maybe he's running away from the cops. In that case, we say he's a criminal, right? If he has done something, uh, a crime. So that's where we don't, we don't pass off a judgment on the heart of a person, but we definitely pass the action. And we could say that, yes, you should probably slowly, without hurting their feelings, move away from such a group and become friends with people who don't backbite. Okay. Rimla says, there is Muslim legal funds in America, of America. So you know what maybe we should do? If they're a good group, why don't we reach out to them and in the same way that like we're, spo- we're helping sponsor Mecca Books or we're promoting Mecca Books for Knowledge, we need a relief organization and we need a legal fund organization to highlight their cases so that our action is not just for ourselves. When we promote for 
all of us to study and to do ibadah. Who's benefiting? Ourselves. We need to start benefiting others. So we need a relief organization to be tied with, and we need an advocacy group. And there's definitely some advocacy groups that we're not going to go with. If any one of these advocacy groups has like a whiff of this progressive liberalism, you're going to make me vomit. It's going to be Najas all over here. Okay? Because I can't stand these types of things. Like there is that one Muslim advocacy group that just went way off the rails in the last two years. That's why I'm saying some activism is, is inspired by the wrong source of inspiration. It must be Iblisi inspiration. All right, Afzal Khan says that there is cage. So why do we need to reinvent the wheel? We could just have an like official or semi-official partnership with one of these groups. We highlight the cases that they give us. We develop a relationship with them. And we can you know, even fundraise for them. All right? But I'm telling you, the moment I see some kind of, uh, of that other stuff, that's what... Just turns me off from that. So, so we'll see. So Rimla, can you yeah? Can you get us a report on like what are they all about? And if it's something that you know you know how we operate, right? And and what we're allergic to. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just an allergy. I have a severe allergy to liberals. And you know what I noticed by the way, a lot of our du'a, the people in Dawa and the imams, that are a little bit more sympathetic to the left than the right, they're all southerners. Because they've tasted the vicious hatred of the right. And we of the north, we like loathe and despise these liberals, but we're like, I'm almost like, I have no emotions towards the right. I've no, we've never tasted it. It's never been, for, we've never f- suffered from it, Right? So, all right, next. Cage, everyone is saying cage. All right. Tahira says we should have a day for just QA. Maybe that's a good idea. I'm not here, 9 11 says, is it normal to feel deflated and empty being away from the mosque and one's elderly parents once we become more religious? Yes, it is. Anytime that you're far from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there will be a sign that Allah Ta'ala gives you. Okay? The sign will be different. Sometimes it's an emptiness. I met a guy who says that when I'm far from Allah Ta'ala, when I don't remember Allah, when I delay my salah, when I delay my awrad, when I haven't remembered Allah for a long time, I start to feel paranoid that everyone hates me. SubhanAllah. And then as soon as I get back onto my wavelength in my ibadah, I feel that everyone loves me. I said, subhanAllah. It's almost as if Allah has given it to you right there. What is the schedule for these classes? Monday through Thursday, 1.30 p.m. Shadil Masri time. But we, we really want to make it uh, actual uh, 1.30. It's just that we had this death. There's nothing we can do when we have someone who's in the hospital. And it's just thrown, because there's stuff to do, right? Uh, thrown things off a little bit, but... We really, we stick to 1.30. Okay, 1.30 and then we go on. Mondays is the long one. Uh, Tuesdays, shorter. Thursdays, shorter. Wednesday, we have the du'a. Remember, Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr, it's a time of du'a. 
No joke. It's a time of serious ibadah and dua, and you may get a sign of the acceptance of your dua. Because that's what happened to Jabir ibn Abdullah when he saw the Prophet ﷺ make dua on Monday, and then Tuesday, no answer, no answer, then Wednesday. And that dua was against, it was to save Medina from the siege of Quraysh and the Arabs. 10,000 soldiers around the city of Medina. And then the wind came and blew them away and ruined their tents and they get cold and rainy and terrible and they all left. Jabir ibn Abdullah said, when the Prophet had made that dua, then Allah showed him a sign of his acceptance and the Prophet's face became happy and he knew his, his dua was accepted and now it's just waiting to see how it will be, how it will happen. So Jabir said, I then started to make that dua. Okay. On when, anytime that I had a need, Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr, and I would see the sign of Ijabah. Okay. Is there a special reward in washing the deceased? Yes, and that special reward is... There's a, the uniqueness of the reward is a greater reminder of death. That's the reward. A, a deeper reminder of death. One day someone's going to be washing us. All right. How do you influence parents? Um, we, according to Ghazali, we don't enter into the business of dawah, of, of forbidding wrong to our parents unless it is in a very, 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 very gentle way. Very gentle way. Uh, Salat al-Dhuhr is the, one of the, there's two prayers that can be delayed. Dhuhr and Aisha without sinfulness. All right, so is Safina Society only for your community? Physically, our headquarters is in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and North Brunswick. The mosque is technically in North Brunswick. NBIC, New Brunswick Islamic Center, is our physical headquarters. That's our community. All right, I feel very um, nervous about the idea of being no, having no roots in a local community. So that's our local community, alhamdulillah, that um, we've had a wonderful relationship for over 10 years now. And may Allah Ta'ala keep it like that. And where I'm sitting now in the studio is about three-minute drive away from the mosque in an institution which is a soup kitchen, a studio, and it is a mahad. A mahad being like a, a tr- what we're aiming for as a true Islamic college, which we're, inshallah Ta'ala, seeking to... We just established it. It's not something like big online, and it's only... On-site classes. Okay. Our online operation is this, is the Nothing But Facts live stream, and then ArcView. ArcView.org is, it's under construction, but you can still sign up. It's under construction this summer. You can still sign up, and that's how we teach beginners and intermediate level classes. That's our on-site learning operation Nothing but facts is our public dawah halakha. And then if you want to visit us, you can always come. The public mosque the, or, or the masjid, the community masjid is NBIC. And then this place has its own scheduled operations, time of opening and closing. And always in the, in the Islamic world, there's been the masjid and then there's been the madrasa. 
Right. The madrasa used to be in the masjid, but eventually they had to move it out. And that's where Zawiyas and Islamic colleges started up around the masajid. Right. So they don't have the burden of having Jum'ah, Tarawih, having the doors open all the time. That's what this building is. So we're not burdened with all the things that the masjid is burdened with. And we're allowed to do things like keep the equipment up without having to break it down because there's salah times or things like that. Or that it's a public place that it could get stolen. I'm allowed to protect it from getting stolen. So that's the operation that you're watching right now. We'll take a few more questions before we go into our dua. Are you answerable, responsible, says Farida Khan, if a member of the family backbites, even when you remind them, they just can't control what comes out of their mouth. You ever wonder... No, uh, Sajal, I said Dhuhr and Aisha can be delayed without sinfulness. Aisha, up to midnight, that's it. But Dhuhr, you can pray at any time in, in the Dhuhr time without sinfulness. Okay? You can delay Dhuhr and you can delay Aisha, but up to the middle of the night only. Okay? But you ever notice with some people, they're out of control is one way. Only they can be out of control, right? The whole family accepts their wild behavior, but nobody else can behave wildly towards them. Ever notice that? So if it's an equal, why don't you be as wild in telling them to stop backbiting? Like, why is the wildness only one way? But if you can't, then you have to just move away from them in a way that's, that's not offensive to them. And sometimes if it's offensive, then tough luck. Because sometimes sympathy has limits. And sometimes upsetness is justified or not justified. Sometimes upsetness is not justified. Like, you're not a... You're not... This is not a... a for example, you stop... You don't want to backbite somebody and they say, Oh, I'm offended. He's rude. No, you're offensive. Your offendedness is not valid. Not all feelings are valid. Right? Like, I always say, like, sympathy in the wrong place is just as bad as hard-heartedness in the wrong place. Right? Roughness, and we all know that being mean and being a hater and all that stuff is bad. Sympathy in the wrong place is bad. You don't sympathize with Iblis. You don't sympathize with a rapist. You don't sympathize with a Nazi. Does anybody sit here and say, you know what, the Nazi soldiers, I don't know what they were going through. We don't know their perspective. Okay? Pedophile. He didn't hurt anybody. He just has pictures of kids, babies, he did not hurt anybody. Why don't you sympathize with them? Answer the question. Is he hurting anybody? He gets a doll of a three-year-old, four-year-old. A doll. And he sodomizes the doll. Is he hurting anybody? Is there anyone who's doing anything without their consent? Go sympathize with them then. Okay? Go sympathize with them. So sympathy has limits. We don't sympathize. Your heart does not, should not soften to something that's a disobedience of Allah. Simple as that. If it is, that's a misguided sympathy. Is it true that Islam and Khilafah will return? Yes. In the end of time. Quick order of events is that Allah will raise up in this ummah at a time of complete total darkness and oppression. And imam. And the Muslims will follow that imam and he will unify the Muslims and they will become a force again. Then Allah Ta'ala 
will allow the Dajjal to come out and he will lure the hypocrites out of the Ummah of Islam. And he will rally the world to fight a ghastly and a vicious battle against the Muslims in which so many people will die. And that Allah Ta'ala will bring down to the earth Sayyidina Isa bin Maryam and Sayyidina Isa will defeat this force of the Antichrist. That is three stages. And then Sayyidina Isa bin Maryam Will, the Imam the Mahdi will die. Isa bin Maryam will lead this Ummah and spread Islam throughout the world with his army. Okay? Not through interfaith dialogue. Okay? With an army. And the biggest battle will be where the demons have taken such deep root and paganism has taken such deep root and that's Ghazwat al-Hind. Ghazwat al-Hind. Okay? Muslima and Adnan have questions. What's the bi- what is the question here for Muslima and Adnan? You know I hate scrolling up. But someone is saying, can you please look up? You found it. You can read it for us. Is it true that slave girls were not allowed to wear hijab and cover themselves like free women? Is it true that slave girls were not allowed to resemble free women? Allah Adam. I, can't, I don't know about reading that, to be honest. I heard it said several times. But I'm not sure that uh, it's exactly the way it was said. Allahu Adam. Can someone ever become sinless? You can. Allah Taala can protect you from sins. It's not that you are masum, but you are mahfuz, right? In the same way, when you sleep at night, you're protected from sins. You can't sin when you're asleep. If you're at Hajj, most likely, a person will go through entire Hajj without committing sins, right? You're protected. The best that we can attain is protection, but will never be masum. The ability to commit sins. Maham says when I was in Cairo I was humbled how many cemeteries there are people just live next to the cemetery same thing I noticed in Turkey right you walk in Turkey there's like a bakery there's a shawarma shop and in the middle there's a grave right and they symbolize their graves that if it's a woman there are flowers that symbolize how many children she had if it was a scholar there's a turban on the grave like a, a in cement Yeah, like, a, like when they make the grave, whatever it is, con- marble, concrete, whatever it is, they make a sculpture of a turban. I once saw a Banksy writing by the cemetery, which, it is, which is them who are dead or you living to die. Are you talking about Banksy the artist who makes those little drawings with the red? Can a person have qabul, acceptance with Allah, but not the people? He will not be accepted by sinners and those who are astray. Okay, And may, maybe later if people learn his story, then they can um, accept him and they will love him. Didn't right? Sayyidina Imam al-Hadad, obviously not to this extent, but he said like it would take a long time for people to... For his books too. Imam al-Haddad said that about his books that they will spread in the Ummah after 300 years. And they did. And at the time, scholars would look at Imam al-Haddad's books and say, this is just a summary of what we we all know. But he said, there will come a day when that's what the people need. And it's true. All right, let's go to 
By the way, don't forget to subscribe to this channel and add, click for notifications so that you know when the stream starts. And also, you can be a supporter at patreon.com backslash Safina Society. Does Allah strengthen believers who are going through extreme hardship with good dreams? Yes. And also um, with, with a desire to do ibadah is a way to strengthen you. Can we have sessions on legal matters? Do you mean like fiqh? Inshallah, why not? Sophia says, why don't you establish a waqf? Yeah, that's a good idea. We, sh- we, we already have Safina Foundation. So we need to establish it as a formalized waqf that people can put, like for their wills, right? You can put one-sixth or one-third of your will to go to this endowment. That's all possible. Are good deeds accepted when you're not praying? 100%, of course. Everything is accepted. When a woman is on hide, there's no change at all, except she doesn't have to make salah. Top three Arabic tafsir books. Baghawi, Qurtubi, and then the next one, it's up for grabs. Too simple, in my opinion. There's not enough meat on the, on the bone. Then I would go to either Nesafi, which is a, it's it's reasonably length, but if you want to really dig deep, deep dive, it's Razi. Razi is the deep dive. Habashi says, Awliya Allah Arifina Billah. Al Arif is it not well, a wilaya is nearness to Allah? Arif is a description of the type of knowledge he has. Al Arif Billah, he has understood how Allah works in his creation. That's the difference. Okay, how Allah works in his creation. So, it's a, the, when we say Arif Billah, we're not describing his spiritual state, we're describing his knowledge. Okay, he has a knowledge of how Allah operates in his creation. And Allah operates in his creation by slowly bringing the night into the day, things like that, and you start to see it. You start seeing something in your life creeping in so slowly that it's becoming part of your consciousness without you even realizing it. That's one of the signs of Allah's work, that Allah is doing something. So slowly it comes in to your life. And without realizing it, it's part of your life. It's part of the fabric of your life. Okay, man. Okay, we answered that question on the tafsir. I hope that's beneficial. But, I, but they're, they're all available on PDF. That's why I love iPad, because you can get them all on PDF. But iPad, I'm serious. I'm so upset with what they've done. They took all my downloads for iBooks. You can't have it on your machine anymore. It has to be on the cloud. It really bugged me. I never updated my phone. I'm, yeah. How do you avoid feeling disheartened that you keep failing? As long as you're in the game still, you're trying, then you haven't failed. You failed only when you give up. When you give up, you fail. What do you mean, don't compare a Muslim with a kafir, says Hazak Ibrahim. It is forbidden for us to make certain comparisons. You can't say, for example, like, this Muslim tyrant is like Fir'aun, because he's not. 
the Muslim tyrant still believes in Allah and his messenger. Fir'aun was a kafir. So we're, we're by law, we're not allowed to make comparisons between a Muslim and a kafir. So you have to make that clause if you're going to talk about two different things related to them. Prophet ﷺ gulped milk, but he sipped everything else. What about other drinks like milkshakes or sour milk? If I believe that we should keep it to milk only because milk is an exception, exception to the rule. Now, Prince Matthew, listen to this principle very closely. We don't make analogy by exceptions. So if this, the default, the rule is sipping, but gulping is the exception, then it's, that's it. Milk only. So if it's a milkshake, a milky drink, sips. We don't make analogy to exceptions. That's why we don't, method, we don't make an analogy to the khuf. Because it's an exception. You have to wash your feet. Exception, khuf. We don't, Madik does not make analogy by exceptions. Chef, he does. And therefore, anything that is waterproof, you can wipe over it. So the Shafi'iyah, they're sort of lucky about this, I'm sort of jealous, that they, um, that they, uh, they can wipe over what's called hydroskins and their wetsuit socks, right? They can wipe over them. Sophia, where is your question? I didn't see it. What is Sophia's question? Is there a special reward for washing the deceased? Yeah, we answered this. And I said that, yes, the special reward is a nearness to the experience of death. Dhikr al-Maut is heavier. That's your reward when you wash the dead. So it is, 100%. We did answer that in the back. I would never ignore Sophia's question. Sophia is one of the regulars. The one that is sick and now, like, very, very sick, she's one of the local regulars. Like, one of the people that never misses a halakha. And if they can't, they ask for the link. SubhanAllah. They're regulars. How do you help addiction for pornography? Nothing, and that's it. Sin has seeped so deep in their hearts, it's immovable. I would advise those people to focus on their belief. The belief that Allah, nothing is immovable. Shaitan, for the pornography addiction, drug addiction, heroin addiction, all those, the issue is that Iblis wants you to think that even Allah cannot change you. That's the ultimate goal of Iblis. Trust me on this. When it comes to addiction, this is something, a lesson I learned regarding the attribute of Allah's qudra. Okay? On Allah's qudra, many people, they believe Allah exists, they believe He has knowledge, but because of one addiction, they start not believing that Allah can do something. And I remember a brother, he sat there, crying in front of me, late at night. This is one of the lukewarm brothers. I told you there are some people lukewarm. And this is one of the brothers, he loves to come to the masjid, but he also does some wild things on the side. It is part of people's growth. They don't go from night to day. Okay. So he comes and he says, listen, I want to talk to you. He's one of these brothers that always talks, uh, 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 always comes to the masjid, but he has his own side life. So I said, all right, let's meet. We talk after Isha. Masjid's empty. It's just me and him sitting in the, in the atrium or the lobby of the masjid on two chairs. And he's crying. He's like, I can't stop. It, I think it was marijuana or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter because we didn't say his name. 
I asked him one simple question. Do you believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the qudra, the belief, uh, the ability, the power to remove this addiction from your life permanently before you walk out this door? And he was shocked by the question. I said, answer, what, is the, what is the answer? He says, to be truthful, no. I said, that's the problem right there. That's where Iblis wants. Iblis doesn't care about your weed or your pornography. This is the end game. And that is the precursor to getting you to that false belief. To destroy your aqidah in Allah's qudra, when that pillar falls, your Islam cannot survive. You will just have the image of Islam. That's it. And you will just go become one of those people who goes from fatwa to fatwa and just weak in Islam. Because the pillar of Allah's qudra has been shot, killed, dead, destroyed. So I said to the brother, okay, your number one job is to remind yourself every single day. I don't know how you remind yourself. Whatever you want, you have to like brainwash yourself almost. You have to program yourself by reminding yourself of the truth. There's bad programming and there's good programming depending on what you're programming and why. So you must program yourself by nonstop daily reminders for days, weeks, months, and years. Allah has the power to end this right now. And your name that you should be calling all the time when you're stuck in addiction is Ya Qadir, Ya Muqtadir. And then every time that you fall into the addiction, you make tawbah without hesitation. But you must always dig the seed into your heart. Ya Qadir, Ya Muqtadir. Allah is able. He's, he's more powerful than this addiction. And I'm telling you, the end goal of Iblis is to get you not to believe in Allah's qudra. That he's not, he's not able. That's why I love to look at pictures of space and animals and insects and the vastness of like vast scenes of nature because it's a reminder He's able to create all that. You think he can't solve this little problem right here? How big are you? He's able to. Yeah. But he's also able to test you and make you wait and test your persistence. So you have to have that belief. And I would say, subhanAllah, just emphasize, Ya Qadir, Ya Muqtadir. And Muqtadir is a stronger, um, it's a stronger it's like muqtadir, capable of what you cannot imagine. Yeah, Habshi, what's your question? There is sometimes, unfortunately, to be honest with you, it's not possible to see all the questions because by the time I answer one question, the thing scrolled up, so I missed your question. So what is Habshi's question? I, I think I answered Habshi's question. Yeah, Habshi. Did we answer your question or not? Ahmed bin Zil Habshi. Who is better in rank, the awliya or the arifins? We answered that question already. All right, we have to go to the du'a now. It's 3.30. Okay. K-man. Um, try to use, if you don't have a sheikh, try to use Arcview until you're able to get uh, a sheikh that's 
on site for you. Last question. What about wiping on the face when you do dua? Yes, and Tirmidhi has a hadith on that. So that's why we were able to do it. Tirmidhi has a hadith on that. Um, what do we study first? Aqidah and Tajweed. And then Fiqh. What do you do on your birthday? If you're an adult, nothing. Okay. So I tried to scroll to see Habshi's question, but I think I answered it. Maybe there's a delay in receiving the YouTube chat questions. Bushra has a question. Like we have advocates now on the. Uh, <laughs> we have uh, chat advocates. Bushra Begum, Suraj Bani Israel. It's mentioned the Ruh is from the affairs that Allah has knowledge of and we cannot have except a limited knowledge of. Why is that? One of the reasons is that the, the, the ruh is something we cannot observe, we cannot rationalize, and Allah has only told us a little bit about it. That's why that's ar-ruh min amri rabbi. It also means that ar-ruh is something that Allah only will speak about it. And the Prophet will only be allowed to speak on certain aspects of it. And Allah knows best about the meaning of that. that. But the ruh is a vast and expansive and powerful thing that has been packed into this small body and the brain offers you a filter. It filters, okay? And the eyes and the ears, they provide a filter so that you can only see this world. You cannot go look up and see the heavens. Your ruh cannot leave your body and roam around and do something else. So that's why when you sleep, you're able to access, when you shut down this body, you're able to access a little bit of the unseen realm. And you're able to fly around a little bit. That's the world of dreams. But when you're awake, your body's now in this filter. So there's information going on here, right? All sorts of waves are flying around. So the phone is a filter. It filters for me what I can see and I can do something back. Is sleep paralysis real? Allah Adam. Uh, I don't know anything knowledge about sleep paralysis. There is a, I did read about uh, one type of uh, shaitan that um, that stuffs up people and makes them unable to move, and they even the Arabs have a name for this type of shaitan. Right, there is a name for this type of shaitan, al jathum, I think it's called, that he actually uh, stifles people when they sleep for fun, to bother them. That's it. But it could be something medical too. Allah knows best. I don't have knowledge on that. Should you fast on your birthday? No, fast in general. It has nothing to do with our birthday. Okay. How do you become more involved with the Muslim community and make yourself useful? Go to the masjid and do any little thing without anybody asking. Keep doing that. One day someone will ask you to do a job. That's from Allah. Then they'll ask you to do another job. That's from Allah. Another job, another job, another job. So on and so forth. Okay. Should we fast on the 9th, 10th of Muharram? You can fast on the 10th, but it's better to fast on the 9th and 10th or 10th and 11th. Brother has sleep paralysis. Wallahi la ilma li sleep paralysis. I have no knowledge on sleep paralysis. Paralysis. 
Okay. Chief Latif is from the South. Wow, subhanAllah. It's permissible to pirate Islamic texts online for the sake of seeking knowledge. You got to give those shiuch a donation or something because it's good. they're not going to write books anymore. You know. Because they got to have some economy. But I think everyone does it a little bit. But don't sell it, spread it around, and try to find a way if you have money to... Um, what if it's the books of the deceased? Well, st- um, the thing is that the editors themselves... I think we all got PDFs, right? We all got these PDFs. So I think that... I don't, I don't know how, they, how, how any of these book publishers survived. Right? I don't know how they survive because everything's on the PDF now. Uh, is it uh, permissible to celebrate anniversaries? Yeah, like husband and wife. Yeah. Like, but it should not be with extravagance and burdening people and come celebrate our anniversary and then you get hasad. Half the people are divorced. Half the other half is miserable. And you're like, oh, look how happy we are. You're going to bring yourself hasad and you're going to make them feel bad. So just do something private with yourself. And that's it. I never understand people put their public life on, online, so that's not something you want to do. Last question before you go to the dua. Sajal Ibrahim says, could you repeat the three tafsir books, please? Number one, tafsir al-Baghawi. Number two, al-Qurtubi. Number three, al-Razi. And the only reason I put Razi third is because it's so long, it's like 26 PDFs. And number four, al-Nasafi. Those are my favorite go-to books on tafsir. If you recite ikhlas 200 times to follow that hadith of wiping 50 sins, do you write basmala once or every time? You can do it once only. Okay. All right. For the fifth time, that was the last question. And now let us move to the dua of Yom al-Arbi'a bayn al-Dhuri wal-Asr. May Allah always keep us doing the dua, this dua, because it is a, it's a real, if you're on Instagram, you can come to YouTube and you'll see the split screen. Like we got terms now, right? Split screen, sidebar. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna fatahna laka fatham mubina. Liyaghfira laka Allahu ma taqaddama min dhambika wa ma taakhar. ويتم نعمته عليك ويهديك صراطا مستقيما وينصرك الله نصرا عزيزا وكان عند الله وجهها وجها في الدنيا والآخرة ومن المقربين وجهت وجهي للذي فطر السماوات والأرض بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نصر من الله وفتح قريب وبشر المؤمنين يا أيها الذين آمنوا كنوا أنصار الله كما قال عيسى بن مريم للحواريين من أنصاري إلى الله قال الحواريون نحن أنصار الله الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض 
ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لو أنزل هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيته خاشعا متصدعا من خشية الله وتلك الأمثال نضربها للناس لعلهم يتفكرون هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح له ما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم أعيذ نفسي بالله تعالى من كل ما يسمع بأذنين ويبصر بعينين ويمشي برجلين ويبطش بيدين ويتكلم بشفتين حصنت نفسي بالله الخالق الأكبر من, خشر من شر ما أخاف وأحذر من الجن والإنس وأن يحضرون عز جاره وجل ثناؤه وتقدست أسماؤه ولا إله غيره اللهم إني أجعلك في نحور أعدائي وأعوذ بك من شرورهم وتحيلهم ومكرهم ومكائدهم أطفئ نار من أراد بعداوة من الجن والإنس يا حافظ يا حفيظ يا كافي يا محيط سبحانك يا رب ما عظم شأنك وعز سلطانك تحصنت بالله وبأسماء الله وبآيات الله وملائكة الله وأنبياء الله ورسل الله والصالحين من عباد الله حصنت نفسي بلا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم اللهم احرسني بعينك التي لا تنام واكنفني بكنفك الذي لا يرام وارحمني بقدرتك علي فلا أهلك وأنت ثقتي ورجائي يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين اكفني شر كل طارق يطرق بليل أو نهار إلا طارق يطرق بخير إنك على كل شيء قدير بسم الله أرقي نفسي من كل ما يؤذي ومن كل حاسد الله شفائي بسم الله رقيت اللهم رب الناس أذف الباس اشفي أنت الشافي وعافي أنت المعافي لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر السقم ولا ألما يا كافي يا وافي يا حميد يا مجيد ارفع عني كل تاب شديد واكفني من الحد والحديد والمرض الشديد والجيش العديد واجعل لي نورا من نورك وعزا من عزك ونصرا من نصرك وبهاء من بهائك وعطاء من عطائك وحراسة من حراستك وتأييدا من تأييدك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والمواهب العظام أسألك أن تكفيني من شر كل ذي الشر إنك أنت الله الخالق الأكبر وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه والحمد لله رب العالمين ظاهرا وباطنا وعلى كل حال يا أرحم الراحمين Inshallah we'll just do our everyone do their own private dua for two three minutes Inshallah
وصلى الله وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين Oh.